Welcome to Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back and uh, we're bringing you today the second part of our conversation. Tune in, check in, and let's get ready to roll. Now, as much as we've been talking about the Imago Day here, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was not a theological document, to be sure. It is not a catechism. It is not a confession. Okay, so the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was not a theological document, but its key tenets were grounded in the universal principle that equality is a matter of the immutable characteristics we each possess as image bearers of God. And by immutable, I mean unchangeable. Attributes such as ethnicity and sex are immutable characteristics that apply to every human being. But the Equality Act of 2019 is based on the absurd and ridiculous notion that those characteristics, particularly sexual orientation and gender identity, are, in fact, mutable and changeable. Let, let, let me jump in here. For go, just ahead, a second, go ahead, Omaha. Do your thing. I think it's interesting, man, Daryl, if you, if you think about this. At one time, the argument regarding homosexuality, they, they tried to make the argument that, that, it, that it, wasn't, it was immutable, right? right. Uh, the, the refrain was characterized by the popular song by Lady Gaga, I was born this way. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. and that, I, I went back to look. That was like 2011 when that song came out and folks were kind of waving that, that, that whole flag, I was born this way. It's interesting at the breakneck, breakneck pace of the LGBTQ movement that, the, that they've moved from the idea of it's born this way, which seems like yesteryear, to now where the advocates of, of, the, of the LGBT community are, are making the argument that you can wake up and feel more masculine uh, or more feminine uh, just based upon your feelings of that given day, regardless of your biology, your your, your emotional state determines whether you are, what what gender you actually are. There's such gender fluidity now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so we can never. And, and they also advocate that we can never really know how many genders there really are. It's fascinating to watch, mm-hmm. which is why this kind of legislation is so devastatingly dangerous as codified law, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. that, that, that part blows my mind when you talked about the immutable, you know, it, that which is mutable and immutable uh, and the arguments around that, the Equality Act of 2019, they, they, they have changed their position in less than seven years. Yet we're going to put into law, right, that mm-hmm. which will be permanent and, 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 uh, and, and, and really be. Uh, on those of us who who have a different of a who difference of opinion, we will be punished on that basis. Yep. On the basis of something that changes for the individual on a daily basis that you can never really know. There's no standard by which to judge it. I just think that's interesting. Yep. It's interesting, and as you said earlier, it's insane. It's insane. You know the manner in which the Civil Rights Act of 1964 is being prostituted under the pretense of granting civil rights to a group of individuals who in terms of numbers are a significant minority in America. They're a minority in America, but the manner in which the civil rights act of 64 is being prostituted to grant quote unquote civil rights to that minority group 
should stir up righteous indignation within every professing Christian who is concerned about the granting of legitimate civil rights in this nation. As to your earlier point, Omaha, here we have a piece of legislation that's been introduced yet again, yet again over 45 years. Here it is being introduced again to benefit a group of people who can just, at their whim, say, nope, I'm one orientation this, this moment, I'm one identity the next moment, not even the next day. They can say that the next five minutes. And then we're, we're going to be held accountable for accommodating those continue, continual morphing and shifting of, of, uh, of descriptions of themselves. It's unbelievable. So, yeah, so they're hijacking, they're prostituting the Civil, Act, Civil Rights Act of 1964 under the guise of granting civil rights to a very, very small group of people. And whose civil rights were already, uh, they, they already received exactly. the benefit Exactly. You know, so, so they can say, uh, they can say all they want that this bill is to grant and protect civil rights. But what the LGBTQ lobby is really attempting to do, again, what they're again attempting to do, because again, as I said earlier, this isn't the first time. What they're attempting to do is use the legislative process to force and co coerce society, especially Christians. Make no mistake about that. This legislation is targeted against Christians, a Christian, Christian businesses, Christian schools, Christian churches, even Christian home churches. Make no mistake about that. When you read this legislation, read between the lines that this is an attack against Christianity. What this legislation is really trying to do through the LGBT lobby is not only to accept as normative their abnormal lifestyle choices, but they're trying to force everyone else to bow down and submit to them. Listen to, I'm going to read several excerpts from various publications which have commented on this Equality Act, which, as you said, Omaha, should rightly be referred to as the Inequality Act. I'm going to quote several sources that have commented on this act just to give our listeners a flavor of how dangerous this legislation is. Let me read from the Heritage Foundation. The Heritage Foundation says this, where the original Civil Rights Act of 1964 furthered equality by ensuring that African-Americans had equal access to public accommodations and material goods, the Equality Act would further inequality by penalizing everyday Americans for their beliefs about marriage and biological sex. Similar sexual orientation and gender identity laws at the state and local level have already been used in this way, unquote. That was the Heritage Foundation. Listen to National Review. National Review says, quote, the sweeping legislation would amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to include sexual orientation and gender identity as protected characteristics. But it goes further than that. Under the guise of anti-discrimination protections, the bill redefines sex to include gender identity, undermines religious freedom, gives males who identify as females the right to women's spaces, and sets a dangerous political precedent for the medicalization of gender-confused youth, unquote. This next quote is from Human Events. 
Quote, this legislation has no rules about what constitutes a legitimate claim to, quote unquote, gender identity as a protected class. Any male or female can claim identity as the opposite sex without proof of medical diagnosis or permanent intent. Sex-based identity is completely subjective and determined by perception or desire and can be changed at any time. Society's purpose for sex segregation, and this goes to your point earlier in this episode, Omaha, society's purpose for sex segregation, a major factor of women's safety, is negated under this legislation. Women could no longer claim rights to our safety and equal protections because men could claim our rights just by claiming to be women. Perhaps the sponsor of this bill, a gay man, doesn't understand our concerns. Women are safer in places they know men can't legitimately access. If this bill passes, men, go ahead. Put on your makeup and take a walk in a women's locker room for a day. You don't have to prove anything. Just claim your feminine side. Women would be commanded to open the door to any female posing male who wants access to women's sex specific spaces. Unquote. That was from Human Events. This quote from the Washington Times The Inequality Act, as, as the Washington Times calls it, the Inequality Act, unfortunately, isn't about equality at all. Rather, it's about government-imposed ideology and unfairness. When discussing her agenda for this Congress, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said, quote, If there is some collateral damage for some others who do not share our view, so be it, unquote. Lastly, I want to quote from conservative political activist Star Parker. Star Parker writes this. She said, quote, civil rights law was designed to protect human dignity by preventing individuals from being reduced to pre-existing realities not connected to their personal choices, such as ethnicity. Now, with this law, the sexual behavior they choose and the sex they decide they are will receive the same protections. We must vigilantly fight to prevent this legislation from passing into law, unquote. Now, needless to say, I concur completely with Star Parker. Christians must educate themselves about this legislation and work to prevent it from ever becoming law. But when you really think about it, Omaha, the people who should be most upset about the Equality Act of 2019 are black social justicians. Why? Because with only one piece of legislation, one, with only one piece of legislation, the LGBTQ lobby is set to accomplish what it took black people in America, one Emancipation Proclamation, which, by the way, didn't free all the slaves. It took black people one Emancipation Proclamation, three constitutional amendments, the 13th, 14th, and 15th, one Civil Rights Act, one Voting Rights Act, and a partridge in a pear tree to achieve. I mean, I almost want to sing this in accordance with that Christmas, the tune from right. that Christmas song, right. The 12 Days of Christmas. The LGBTQ lobby is about to accomplish, if this law passes, they will obtain 
with one piece of legislation. What it took black Americans, one Emancipation Proclamation, three constitutional amendments, one Civil Rights Act, one Voting Rights Act, and a partridge in a pear tree to achieve. (laughs) Right. Now, if anybody's going to be angry about this legislation, it should be black social justicians. But I haven't heard a peep from them. Not one. They are, listen, again, I want to repeat this for the third time because people have to understand the weightiness of this, the politics of this, the influence of this very, very, very small group of people in this country that has such significant influence politically in this nation. They're about to accomplish with one piece of legislation what it took black Americans in this nation. 150 years to accomplish. Any thoughts on that, Omaha? Well, again, I guess the woke church has gone back to sleep regarding the Equality Act. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They're they're out. They are out. The woke church is back to sleep regarding the Equality Act. They're, They're out of it. Um, you know, it, it, there's so much to say ab- about this. Most, like you said, most social decisions are, are in the process of cashing in the true gospel and the sufficiency of Christ to, who reconciles us back to God the Father for the false gospel of social justice, right? The false gospel of, of, of social justice. But, but at the same time, when a real, when a real threat to all the advance shows up they go back to sleep yep they go back to sleep yep i haven't heard a peep from them i haven't heard a single syllable for not from not one black social justice on this issue you know their their false social gospel it's insufficient to do anything more than separate divide and expose it really exposes the fact that most of them don't believe that that christ died for white christians i mean we've gone over that you know over the course of the last few episodes, uh, and and if he, if he had died uh, for Christians, he's he's really you know for white folks in particular, he he really is leaving a part of the execution of of complete justice to us, right? And by us, I mean I mean those of us who are black yeah. uh, to to make sure that we rectify those things that are wrong. But here here whites who are from the LGBTQ community come along and. N- there is a deafening silence. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, could, I can't find any, not a one, nope. not one. Nope. nope. No, I nope. mean, they, they, they wake up every day more angry than yesterday about yep. something that I, I can't even imagine to be racist only to find out that it indeed was racist based upon their <laughs> standard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yet th- th- there's not, I mean, bro, there is nothing, nothing, nothing. It's crazy. That may, 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 maybe in post production of this episode, Dwayne can give us a cricket sound right here. <laughs> he can insert some cricket sound effects right here because they're not saying anything. Saying anything now? I recognize. I mean, you and I both know that that you know, uh, Black Lives Matter and 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 you know, movements like that were founded by 
black uh, lesbians who, 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 you know, from the LGBTQ community who are advocating their position. And so maybe they're fearful of, of, of offending those folk. I, I don't I don't know how that I don't know how all the I don't know how the intersectionality hierarchy works. And maybe there's some level. Maybe that's it. Maybe there's a level that you reach where you can't speak about what somebody else is doing, even though you may think it's wrong. So maybe giving them yeah, the benefit that's of that, the doubt. That, that, yeah, that's that, that. That's that. That's called that. That's that woke Freemasonry. <laughs> You haven't achieved. You haven't achieved a high enough level. Have haven't put your hand behind the curtain and shaking the right hand and <laughs> and giving the right tokens and all of that stuff. Yeah, I you guess. got you got to earn your way up the fr- woke Freemasonry hierarchy there, but <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. So you have you have that on the one side, and then on the other side. Now I'll, I'll I'll shorten my comments to just say this: on the other side, we're witnessing the recreated order of humanity in the image of humanism. Yep. I mean, that's exactly what we're, we're witnessing, the recreated order of humanity in the image of humanism. We've elevated feelings to the throne of worship and are determining that that the text of this new orthodoxy will be codified into law by the government. Right. Yep. Yep. And violators will be punished. Uh, so you must bow the knee and genuflect to the whims of the new prophets who are the politicians in Washington. And we've got to wake up as Christians and do something about it. Yeah, I, I love the way you put that, man. So essentially what you're saying is exactly the point I made earlier. It's 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 interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? You know, we talked about Romans one and we talked about you know, our nature as sinners and how we love the darkness rather than the light, you know, and our culture is such, and this is not new, of course, but yeah, but so we'll just sort of collectively say, well, whatever God says no to, we'll just go to the government and have them say yes to it. Right. That's insanity. It goes back to being insane. Yeah. It's insane. You know, and, and to your point, you made a great point earlier about, you know, how, uh, we just we are we're trying to transform society into a sort of a new morality. I'm going to talk about that in a second, but at its most fundamental, at its most fundamental level, what we're being confronted with here, with this Equality Act of 2019, and this is to your point that you just made, Omaha. What we're being confronted with here is a matter not of politics, but worldview. But worldview. This is not a political issue. This is a worldview issue. Politics is just the means. Bro, absolutely. Please, I hope our listeners hear what you just said. Yeah. Go ahead, Omar. You just said politics is the means by which to implement. And that's that's kind of what I said. The the text of this new orthodoxy is being codified into law by government, by politicians. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are are the new prophets. The politicians Mm -hmm. are the new prophets who are who are espousing their pseudo religious belief on the rest of society and you want to talk about jamming something down someone's throat this is that this is by threat of of gun this is by threat of government i mean mm-hmm. we we you you run the risk you, you you don't bow the knee to this you're going to jail you don't bow the knee to this yeah everything that you thought about building as a company a corporation for your family they are they're going to strip that away unless you bow the knee to their new orthodoxy and see what you're talking about there, Omaha, is why it's so important. And I've said this before, is that as as Christians, you see, and I'm I'm talking to Christians here. The world's going to world, okay? So I'm not talking to them. 
<laughs> the world's going to whirl. But as those who profess to be Christians, although we say here, and I think we're, I think we're correct in saying this, this is not a matter of politics. This is a matter of worldview. But because politics is the means for implementing that worldview, Christians need to be aware is that when they vote for a candidate, and I'm not even talking about party affiliation here. When you vote for a candidate, you need to remember you are also voting for that person's worldview. We talk so much about what issue a candidate supports. We love using that word supports. Well, do you support abortion or not? Do you support tax increases or not? Do you support school choice or not? But that's not even the right question. The question Christians should be asking of these individuals is what do they believe? That's the question. Because when you vote for someone, that's what you're voting for. You're voting for what that person believes. But we as Christians, we have failed in doing a deep dive into these candidates to try to unpack or uncover what their worldview is, how they see the world. By what ethos do they live their lives? By what e through what ethos do you view the world? Through what ethical or moral paradigm do you view the world? Is homosexuality a sin? We're so scared to ask questions like that. Let me just get real here. We Christians are such cowards. We are such cowards at times. We will not ask the tough questions. I think about one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible is John 4 and Jesus' discourse, his engagement with the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus confronted her about her sin, the sin that she was living in. She was living in adultery. Jesus didn't shy away from that. Matter of fact, after Jesus had spoken with her, the woman was so impacted in her heart. What did she do? She ran into town. Totally out of character for a woman in that day. The text says she left her water pot at the well. Nothing That didn't even matter to her anymore that she came there to get water. She jetted off into town. And the text says that she told everyone, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. She didn't say, come see a man who said he'd give me living water. She didn't say that. She said, who, listen, Omaha, who says that? Who, what Christian goes to another person and they start telling this person about Christ by saying to them, let me tell you how Christ or how the gospel uncovered my sin. Yeah. Who says that? Nah. Nobody says that. The opposite. We say the exact opposite. But as it relates to this Equality Act of 2019 and the role that Christians, I'm going to talk about this later, the role we as Christians play in the fact that we're even having to talk about this, we need to stop being cowards and confront these politicians with the tough questions. It's not about what you support. Or not support. What do you believe? What do you believe about abortion? What do you believe about the biblical definition of life? What do you believe about that? 
And if their belief, if their worldview doesn't align with what scripture says, you don't vote for the person. It's that simple. It's really that simple. So again, at its most fundamental level, what we're being confronted with here, well, this Equality Act of 2019 is not a matter of politics. This is a matter of worldview. We're talking worldview here. Now, that's not to say that politics is not a factor in our discussion. Because most assuredly, it is a factor and it's not an, it is not an insignificant factor. I say that because, again, the unfortunate truth is that there are many who profess to be Christian today who helped elect to office. Many of the men and women in Congress who are supporting this piece of ungodly legislation and who God himself will hold accountable one day for doing so. You know, as Christians, or at least as people who profess to be Christians, I believe it is both our responsibility and our obligation to elect believers to office so as to guard against this kind of anti-God, anti-Christ, and anti-Christian legislation. Matter of fact, it is with that personal conviction in mind that I want to quote from an 18th century Presbyterian theologian by the name of George Duffield. D-U-F-F-I-E-D, George Duffield. George Duffield said this. He said, for a society of professing Christians to agree to employ none in any of their principal offices of service in the state, that is the government, but as profess Christianity appears to be no more than a proper mark of respect paid to themselves as a body and to the Christian religion they profess and cannot, therefore, in that point of view, be condemned. Good morals are essentially necessary to the health and prosperity of the state. Whatever measure, therefore, appears best adapted to preserve and promote the morals of the state ought to be embraced. Christianity is much better calculated to preserve and promote good morals than infidelity. As much, therefore, as Christianity is better calculated for this great essential purpose, so much more advisable and prudent it is to Christian magistrates. Now, we would say in our vernacular today, Christian politicians, Christian congresspeople, Christian senators, Christian governors, Christian presidents. So much more advisable and prudent it is to have Christian magistrates and officers rather than infidels. Duffield says, unquote. Now, along the same lines of what I just quoted from George Duffield, I want to quote from Article 36 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Article 36 of the Heidelberg Catechism says this regarding the role of civil government. The Catechism reads, Article 36, we believe that because of the depravity of the human race, our good God has ordained kings, princes, and civil officers. He wants the world to be governed by laws and policies so that human lawlessness may be restrained and that everything may be conducted in good order among human beings. For that purpose, he has placed the sword in the hands of government to punish evil people and protect the good. And being called in this manner to contribute to the advancement of a society that is pleasing to God, the civil rulers have the task, subject to God's law, of removing every obstacle to the preaching of the gospel mm -hmm. and to every aspect of divine worship. 
They should do this while completely refraining from every tendency toward exercising absolute authority and while functioning in the sphere entrusted to them with the means belonging to them. And the government's task is not limited to caring for and watching over the public domain, but extends also to upholding the sacred ministry with a view to removing and destroying all idolatry and false worship of the Antichrist, to promoting the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and to furthering the preaching of the gospel everywhere, to the end that God may be honored and served by everyone as he requires in his word, unquote. That was from the Heidelberg Catechism, Article 36. Make no mistake, listeners, make no mistake. The Equality Act of 2019, if passed into law, will be what the Heidelberg Catechism described as an obstacle to the preaching of the gospel. It will be an obstacle because the gospel preaches against the kinds of behavior that that legislation seeks to normalize. Any thoughts on Mahal? Absolutely, man. I completely agree with what you what you shared uh, there. I thought about uh, about Duffield's uh, comment that that you that you quoted uh, in in light of uh, I was listening earlier this week to uh, the briefing uh, with with Al Mohler and he was talking about and maybe it was last week he was talking about um, where politics has gone I mean even in you know the politicians who've entered the race now it used to be if you go back uh, to to look at the Democratic side some of those who've been around for a number of years uh, in in you know in in uh, politics they started out by by advancing the fact that hey I'm a I'm a Christian or I'm a Catholic and 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 this is what I believe they've changed that to hey I'm a I'm a Catholic but I'll not allow my my Catholic upbringing or my Christian upbringing to, to inform my, my political uh, mm-hmm. preference. They've moved from that to now wanting to affirm that, which is anti-biblical, that which is not yep. Bible. Hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an LGBTQ uh, advocate. Here's my husband and, and, and we're going to, we're going to promote them being in in the public office to now there there was the question as to whether or not the door was open whether or not society was open enough to have an actively atheistic uh uh, point of view Mm -hmm. advanced in politics and and i think duffield to duffield's point that's not that is not that's not the origin or founding of our of, of of our of our united states right i mean we we Go back to the to the originating documents as you've done as I've done on this particular program. The whole reason that they, that they came was was for the promotion and the freedom to advocate religious belief. And what we mm-hmm. have in this in this this law that or this this bill that's that's trying to be passed, the Inequality Act. I know it's called the Equality Act. It it's an effort to subjugate religious faith. It's an effort to subjugate. Mm-hmm. Uh, religious belief and and especially the any expression thereof in the public eye. Yeah, and you know in that suppression of religious faith, it is specifically targeting Christianity. Oh, absolutely! It's specifically absolutely. targeting Christianity. 
absolutely, absolutely. And, and it's interesting though because you you you're spot on it because he, here's what I notice in the uh, in in the culture. Muslims believe the same thing we do about this particular issue. Yep. But you don't hear them talked about. And I promise you, there'll be no one coming after them. They are a protected minority class, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. Uh, they, they they have intersectionality points mm-hmm. uh, that 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 the, that the Christian does not have. And so mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll be the ones we'll be the ones targeted in in, in this result. If they if they just maintain their 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 silence and and quietness mm-hmm. on the issue, mm-hmm. they'll be they'll be fine. I'm sure yep. they'll be fine. Indeed, you know, and and beyond the politics, right? Beyond the politics of the Equality Act of 2019, you know, we really need to face the reality that there is a distinct and tangible spiritual element involved here, and that the Equality Act arrogantly, it arrogantly and unrepentantly denies God's created order for mankind. You've talked about this already, Omaha. You know, and to that end, I want to read again from the legislation itself, just to prove that point. Just to go back and re and underscore rather the the arrogant and unrepentant denial that is intrinsic to the verbiage in this legislation of God's created order for mankind. Reading from the legislation itself, quote, an individual shall not be denied access to a shared facility, including a restroom, a locker room, and a dressing room that is in, in accordance with the individual's gender identity. The individual's gender gender identity. I mean, you can't get any more ambiguous than that, Omaha. But see, the the ambiguity of that language is deliberate. The Equality Act of 2019 is a blatant, audacious, and unarguable rejection of Genesis 127. And on that note, I want to quote from theologian and cultural apologist, Dr. Peter Jones. Dr. Jones holds an MDiv from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, a THM from Harvard Divinity School, and a PhD from Princeton Theological Seminary. Some of our listeners may be familiar with Dr. Peter Jones because he has done some teaching for Ligonier. Uh, So if you go to Ligonier's website, you can do a search on Dr. Peter Jones, and you'll find some of his video lectures there. But Dr. Jones has written a penetrating and revealing book entitled One or two, subtitled Seeing a World of Difference, in which he refers to this rejection of Genesis 127 as neo-paganism, neo-paganism. In that book, Dr. Jones writes this, quote, Western culture, often called Christendom, is being hijacked by a spiritual ideology that I call neo-paganism. As a culture, we have largely freed ourselves of any restraining notions of God, the creator. But when we need civic pomposity, we claim, quote, to hold these truths to be self-evident, unquote. We recite our official documents of yesteryear, proclaiming that our, quote, unquote, rights, including the right to stick our finger in the creator's eye, are, quote, unquote, endowed by the creator. This disjunction between our past and present creates the great moment for religious paganism to take political and social power. Dr. Jones continues, Christianity as a social force is on the decline. Now that postmodernism has finished its blitzkrieg, people are hoping for a savior to clear the rubble. Neo-pagans are the darlings of a variety of movements. They lead the way in the green movement, in systems of wealth redistribution, 
in planetary programs for social justice, in solutions to global warming, in interfaith conferences, in the normalization of sexual expressions, and in the promotion of globalist theories through the United Nations. Kernels of truth in these theories give politicians and power brokers an excuse to seize power, unquote. That was Dr. Peter Jones from his book, One or Two, Seeing a World of Difference, in, when he, in which he describes the current milieu that we're talking about here as neo-paganism. I think Dr. Jones is absolutely correct. What the Equality Act of 2019 is attempting to pass off as a kernel of truth, uh, per Dr. Jones, is that a person's volitional, willful, subjective, and changeable choices and decisions about sexual orientation and gender identity are deserving of the same civil rights protections as people for whom such rights are determined on the basis of fixed, mm-hmm. objective, and unchangeable characteristics of personhood that were sovereignly determined by God from the moment they were conceived in their mother's womb. In other words, the Equality Act of 2019 proposes to grant civil rights to people not on the basis of attributes and characteristics of their human humanity in which they had no choice, such as ethnicity and sex, but on the basis of self-determined choices about who and what they deem themselves to be at any moment. The Equality Act of 2019 and all of its preceding iterations is nothing less than neo-paganism camouflaged as civil rights. And as Christians, we need to be discerning enough to recognize this legislation for what it is, which is yet another attempt by the federal government to target Christians by forcing them to submit to a law that promotes and endeavors to normalize the very sin that God himself prohibits. Now, to underscore that point, I want to once again quote Dr. Peter Jones, but this time from a different book of his. This book is entitled The Other Worldview, subtitled Exposing Christianity's Greatest Threat. This is Dr. Jones, quote, queer theory insists that, and let me pause here for a second, just like there's critical race theory from an ethnicity standpoint where, 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 uh, uh, an ethnic paradigm, an ethnic experience, experiential paradigm is applied to scripture. There's also queer theory. There's queer theory. And this is what LGBTQ advocates and LGBTQ lobbyists um, apply uh, to scripture as well from uh, the standpoint of, of sexual orientation and gender identity to advance their agenda. So that's where this term queer theory comes from. Dr. Jones says queer theory insists that, quote, All sexual behaviors and identities and all categories of normative and deviant sexualities are social constructs. Rejecting the idea that sexuality is an essentialist category determined by biology or judged by external standards of morality and truth. So in other words, objective truth is is not a factor with regard to queer theory. That's gone. So, so Genesis 120, that's 120, 127 is gone. Romans 1 is gone. Dr. Jones continues. Let me, let me start at the beginning. Quit theory insists that all sexual behaviors and identities and all categories of normative and deviant sexualities are social constructs. The idea that sexuality is an essentialist category determined by, by biology or judged by external standards of morality and truth. For this to happen, though, 
the key eternal standard for this to happen. The key eternal standard of what is good and what is evil has to go. Jones says the truth to be overcome is moral. Did you catch that Omaha? Jones says that in order for this to happen, in order for uh, what we're talking about with regard to the Equality Act and then queer theory in general, for society to do away with objective truth and what, what that objective truth in, in particular, what the Bible says about sexuality and who we are as persons in the context of the Imago Day, he says that eternal standard of what is good and what is evil has to go. The truth that must be overcome, Jones says, and parenthetically, I want to say not only the truth that must be overcome, but the truth that must be be replaced is moral truth. We have to have a new morality. In other words, the truth that must be replaced is the universal truth of Genesis 127 and Romans 1, that the knowledge of God and his standard of right and wrong is inherent to each of us as image bearers of God made as male and female. That truth has to go. It is that moral truth that must be replaced with a new moral truth, namely the self-determining of one's sexual orientation and gender identity is normal and acceptable. Comments, Omaha? I mean, this this goes back to what we've been saying. They're creating, they, those queer theorists, uh, are, are creating their own orthodoxy. Right. Yep. They, they, yep. They're, they're, re, they're rewriting scripture. This is this is what we talked about earlier. Genesis three. Did God really say? And then the, then the establishment of a lie uh, that that's that's in the place of truth. God, yep. God, God won't really do what he said he's going to do. You, you do what you th- what you think is best, you yep. know, and, and 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 we're given a different standard. I, I thought the the quote that, that that you read from from the book was interesting uh, that, that was, that was stated the key eternal standard of what is good and evil has to go. The, there's a, the in that is the presupposition that there is a key eternal standard that that's recognized, that's recognizable. Why? Because we're image bearers of God. Bingo. This is one seven. And we know the truth. Romans yep. one eighteen through 23. I mean, this is, this is the same thing over and over and over again. Yep. I mean, they, they, they are validating what scripture tells us about ourselves and then expressing in their behavior everything that scripture then goes in to say <laughs> yeah. we're going to do when we ignore God. Mm-hmm. We love the darkness rather than the light. Absolutely. We love the darkness rather than the light. And then we love the darkness so much that we get we, we get we get upset and angry when our darkness is uncovered. <laughs> right, right, and I we mean, want and we, and we want to write and we want to write legislation that penalizes anyone that points to the fact that we're living in darkness. Right, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, uh, Jeremiah seventeen nine is correct. Right, heart is deceitful. The, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all else. Who yeah. can understand Lord. it? Yeah, this this is a, this is this is insanity. <laughs> this, this is. I mean, the Equality Act of 2019 is secular humanism on steroids. Absolutely. No pun intended there, by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> the Equality Act. Go, go ahead, Omaha. Depending on your gender proclivity, right? Whether, whether you <laughs> would work for you, right? <laughs> the Equality Act of 2019, in all seriousness, is a byproduct of a society and a culture, which, as Dr. Peter Jones said in the quote I read earlier, relishes 
and sticking its depraved finger in God's holy eye. This is as, as this is exactly what that legislation does. It 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 says to God. I won't even say what it says to God. I almost said something there. It says it says to, it says to God what I think our listeners know what I'm getting at here. Mm-hmm. But it's an example of us relishing that we can stick our depraved, sinful, warped, wretched finger in God's holy eye, so to speak. But again, we Christians are not blameless in this. Mm. To a great degree, we are equally culpable that this kind of legislation even exists. We cannot dissociate ourselves from what is happening in our culture as exemplified by this legislation as if we had nothing to do with it. You know, so, so, so if the Equality Act of 2019 becomes law, Many of the freedoms we as Christians enjoy in this nation will be lost, perhaps forever. Again, the words of Dr. Peter Jones from his book, The Other Worldview, are helpful here in challenging us to grasp the seriousness of what is happening in our culture today. Jones says this, quote, faced with the unprecedented opposition to the Christian faith, a faith which was once the dominant source of social and moral definitions in Western culture, the response of believers is crucial for the very survival of the gospel in our day. This is a time unparalleled since the beginning of the history of the church when religious paganism ruled the culture. Will the present church see the true nature of this situation and react in a way that honors Christ and his gospel as the early church did? Unquote. That's a powerful uh, question to 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 have posed to us today by Dr. Jones. Any thoughts on that, Omar? Uh, yeah, I we we seem to be in in and often in a reactionary stance to what's happening in uh, in culture and definitely in politics. I think about First Peter three fifteen and sixteen. We always want to begin that verse uh, of scripture with uh, with you know always being prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks yeah. you. Oh, giving a defense. We often neglect to do what the text actually says. It actually begins by saying, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Wow. And then from there it says wow. that we always be prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks for the hope that we have in Christ. Wow. We, we, we've negle- we, some of us have been ready to defend the faith, but on the basis of, of, of politic, right on the basis of of a particular politician, or on the basis of, of of some some ideological position devoid of honoring Christ the Lord as holy, wow. and I, I I think it's imperative, man. And, and I mean that that's that's basically what was what was said at the very at the very end of uh, of the quote. Are we gonna are we gonna are we prepared to react in a way that honors Christ? Uh, and his wow. gospel, as the early church did, we have got to. We 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 we've looked at the at the arguments, right? Some some are equipped, some are not equipped. Some are equipped to argue particular positions. But man, are we prepared to honor Christ the Lord as holy? And by doing so, what that looks like is being willing to give our very lives, if necessary, for the cause and sake of the advance of the gospel of God. That's what's important. Wow. Man, I, I hear some Hammond B3 warming up after that one, bro. That's some Hammond B3 stuff right there, man. Important, man. Man, that was deep. Thanks for that, Omaha. Now, in, in closing, as we prepare to close this episode, uh, 
I just want to say that we don't often get political on the Just Thinking broadcast. Mm-hmm. Rarely, if ever. Mm-hmm. We, we don't get political on this, on this podcast. But we won't shy away from getting political when the situation warrants. The Equality Act of 29 is one of the, of 2019 rather, is one of those rare situations that warrants our getting political on the Just Thinking broadcast. And on that note, I want to quote from John MacArthur in his book, The Truth War. The Truth War, the subtitle is Fighting for Christianity in an Age of Deception. This is from John MacArthur in his book, The Truth War. MacArthur says this. He says, when it comes to biblical issues, moral principles, theological truth, divine revelation, and other spiritual absolutes, compromise is never appropriate. The church, caught up in the spirit of the age, is losing sight of that reality. The modern canonization of compromise represents a a detour down a dead-end alley. Both scripture and church history reveal the danger of compromising biblical truth. Those whom God uses are invariably men and women who swim against the tide. They hold strong convictions with great courage and refuse to compromise in the face of incredible opposition. Where are the men and women today with the courage to stand alone? The church in our age has abandoned the confrontive stance. Instead of overturning worldly wisdom with revealed truth, many Christians today are obsessed with finding areas of agreement. The goal has become integration rather than confrontation. As the church absorbs the values of secular culture, it is losing its ability to differentiate between good and evil. MacArthur closes with this question. What will happen to the church if everyone proceeds down the slippery slope of public opinion? Unquote. That was John MacArthur from his book, The Truth War. Now, to a great extent, Americanized Christianity, and I'm going to close with this. Americanized Christianity, as I call it, is a Christianity that has grown fat and lazy. I don't apologize for saying that. Remember the words of Arnold Toynbee, which we quoted at the very top of this episode. Civilizations die from suicide, not murder. Civilizations die from suicide not murder. While we Christians have been busy fighting amongst ourselves over such issues as complementarianism and social justice, we've become oblivious to the deliberately clandestine and surreptitious efforts of individual institutions outside the body of Christ to render Christianity and the gospel subordinate to a neo-pagan social cultural worldview. That is exactly what the Equality Act of 2019 desires to accomplish. And if that legislation passes into law, I don't believe it will, but I pray to God that it does not. If that legislation passes into law, may God forgive us for our laziness and our apathy and for wasting our time and energy waging war with one another instead of with those who are the true enemies of Christ and his church. You got any parting words, Omaha? That's it for me. Bro, that that that's enough said. That's a drop the mic. 
I mean, it, it really is. And, and I think it's imperative that we recognize, I think one of the points you made was if this, if this doesn't pass n- now, you know, we, we pray that it doesn't Christians have got to be prepared. This, this ain't dying. I mean, you opened, you opened up the conversation, you know, that, that we had tonight about this particular issue, recognizing this isn't the first time this thing showed up on the scene. Nope. This, they've this, been at it for 45 years, nearly half a century. They've been trying to get this legis- legislation like this passed. Absolutely. And so this is not one of those things where we go, oh, good. It, it, it hadn't passed. Let's let, let, let down our guard. We won that fight. Let's let's kind of let's kind of move on. This is something that we've got to be constantly aware of. We have to be equipping ourselves apologetically in defense of the faith wise. But it, with 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 the key idea of honoring Christ the Lord as holy and, and, and recognizing that at the end of the day, the proclamation of the gospel must go forth unaltered, uninhibited, and with crystal clarity, not, not, not wrapped and shrouded with a bunch of social justice mess, but man, with yeah. the clarity of the power designed by God to pierce the heart of, of individuals for, for complete change and transformation. We listen, just thinking we always wrap up with the gospel. We always elevate the importance of the message of the gospel to change the hearts and, and, and minds of, of each and every one of us, of individuals, and, and, and thereby seeing society transform. Again, our goal is not, not societal transformation. It's, it's, it's personal heart regeneration. It's personal heart transformation. Uh, those other things will, will, will be the result, Lord willing. But uh, but yeah, we've got to be equipped. We've got to be prepared and, and definitely ready. Man, thanks for tonight, man. It was A, great to be back. Uh, and then, and then, great to walk through uh, this with you. So, and with that, we'll we'll stop here and just uh, encourage you. If you're if you've listened to us in the past, definitely want want to uh, ask you to share this episode with friends uh, and family. And and uh, as we do always, we want to encourage you to check back in with us next week for another edition of the Just Thinking Podcast.